This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Focus Leader One Day Intensive. Focus your achievement with clear goals and smarter productivity. Find out more at lead2.win slash focused leader. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're going to be talking about something that every leader needs, but a surprising number of leaders don't value, and that's vision. This is really one of those things that is often at the bottom of a leader's to-do list because daily operations can feel like they just take up all the time. You know, that's where the urgency is. That's where the fires are. And vision just sort of seems far out, something I don't need to worry about right now. Um, And, you know, consequently, leaders will just downplay the need for it. Or maybe they're confused by how to create it. This can feel mystifying, can feel confusing and hard, um, but it's very difficult to successfully run and lead a business into the future unless you have vision. It's true. A lot of leaders look at this and think it's optional. And that's true. It is optional. It's only essential if you want to be effective. If you want to be effective as a leader, you've got to be visionary. But we're going to talk about some of that in this session and talk to you about four strategic benefits of having a clear vision for the future. But before we do that, we got to bring Larry on the scene here. Hey, Larry. Larry. Hey, hey. hey. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. Excited about talking about this topic. Yeah, because you actually have written a book about vision, Michael, that's coming out in March. I have, and I feel like this may be, and I probably say this, we'll have to go back and look, but I probably say this on every book, but I think this may be my mo- most important book ever because vision is so critically important. It is the difference maker on effective leadership. So to get us started... How do you define vision? What is it? Well, here's how I define it. Vision is an act of seeing what the future could be and then articulating that potential in an inspiring, clear, practical, and attractive way. I call that a vision script in my book, The Vision Driven Leader, and I want to give you kind of a picture of what it looks like. So one of my very favorite stories is a story that happened back in the 1960s. Space was seen as the new frontier of the Cold War. And the problem was the Soviets were leading in that area. Well, JFK wanted to change that. And so before a joint session of Congress, he cast this vision. He said, and I'm deleting some of it, but he said, I believe that this nation should commit itself to landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Only one problem with that vision. Nobody had a clue how to do it. The technology didn't exist. But that vision captivated, galvanized our nation. So on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong emerged from Apollo 11 and became the first man to set foot on the moon. And on July the 24th, the Apollo 11 crew safely splashed down in the Pacific. So he cast this vision. He saw clearly what nobody at the time could see, We didn't have the technology. There was no path to get there, but he cast the vision. And what, less than a decade later, it was a reality. Sadly, JFK wasn't alive to see it, but that vision still became a reality. Well, contrast that, you know, with the story of George H.W. Bush, who famously said, you know, about vision. Oh, yeah, that vision thing. Right. You like know, dismissive. That, of like it. just dismissive. Like, like, oh, that's a thing that some people do, but that's not a thing that I'm doing. It really showed that he didn't have a cohesive vision for the country and probably cost him voters. I mean, that's probably a big reason that he didn't win a second term. 
Totally. I, I mean, I think, and I'm, I'm going to do try to do both sides of the political spectrum, but one of the reasons why Ronald Reagan got elected was because he had a vision that he called morning in America. You know, it's morning in America. And I mean, that's such a great metaphor about awakening to a, a new morning and all the possibilities. And Barack Obama had that famous slogan, change we can believe in, and then the chant that went along with it, yes, we can. And again, it was full of optimism. It was future-oriented. It was casting a vision for what could be. And regardless of which side of the political spectrum you fall on, that's a mark of effective leaders. You know, like them or love them, those two guys were very effective, and it all started with vision, just like with JFK. I think this is a good example of why so many businesses fail too. I mean, it's not just, you know, the rise and fall of political leaders, it's businesses also. There so many businesses fail because they don't have vision. They're not seeing into the future. They're just consumed with today or even the past, and it really keeps them from getting to the future. So true. And we've got a resource that I think is going to be helpful to you as you think about vision here at the start of the year. It's called Three Strategic Pitfalls to Avoid in 2020. And it's designed to help you avoid a major misstep this year. Again, that's three strategic pitfalls to avoid in 2020. You can get it free right now at lead2.win slash pitfalls. So we're saying that every leader can secure a better future through four strategic benefits of having a clear vision. So strategic benefit number one, vision prepares you to meet the future. Well, the future is going to be different than what we're experiencing today, right? Like we know that intuitively, but I think it's easy to forget as business owners and leaders that no business, not our business, nope. nobody's business is going to remain static. I mean, after all, like how many people are making buggy whips today? That was a, at right. one point, that was a, a Big great innovative business, you know, not anymore. Um, but there are going to be changes in markets and products and consumer tastes and automation. And without vision, we are not going to be ready for these changes. We're just going to be reactive. We're not going to be proactive. Well, there's a classic example that I use in the book, The Vision Driven Leader, that comes from the world of photography, which is kind of a hobby of mine. But back in the 1800s, and by the way, I wasn't there to uh, experience this firsthand in case you're wondering. <laughs> thank you for clarifying. Yeah, thank you. But in the 1800s- But I was, Michael, and it's, it's <laughs> Yeah, you, you were, yeah. so you saw this. Maybe you should tell the story. But photography was cumbersome and expensive, and George Eastman had this vision to make it available to everyone which was a crazy idea. But in 1904, he introduced a camera called the Brownie. It was the first snapshot camera. And that's when the Kodak moment, hmm. do you even remember that? Yeah. The oh. Kodak moment was born. Hey, listen, I'm not that young. Okay, <laughs> fair point. So Eastman could see the confluence of a new industry, photography, and technological advances in film. And they went on, that is, his company went on to dominate the photography market for nearly a century. That's vision. Yeah. But the story doesn't end there. This is where it gets really interesting. In 1975, Kodak invented the first digital camera. Like everybody and their brother has one of these on their person in the form of a smartphone today. But 1975, Kodak develops it. Kodak's leadership couldn't envision a future without film. Okay, so one of their scientists, one of their engineers develops a digital camera, brings it to the Kodak leadership, and they're like, no, we can't envision a future without film. So yeah, they, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. They could have launched the first digital camera literally in 1992, but it was shot down by leadership. 
Another leader, Steve Jobs, could see the possibilities of digital photos. He built a digital camera into every iPhone. And then the, the, the sort of the center of gravity shifted from film to digital. I mean, you can hardly get film anymore. I mean, it's made a kind of a comeback, but digital is the norm today. And in fact, I've heard that Apple has 1,000 engineers at Apple working on nothing but the camera wow. for the phone. That's amazing. That's how important it is. But Kodak couldn't see it. Not back in the 70s, not in the 80s, not in the 90s. It literally put them out of business. Yeah, because vision leads you into the future. And, you know, conversely, a lack of vision keeps you stuck in the present or the past. And without vision, you're going to be unprepared for what's coming next, just like Kodak was. And with it, you're going to be able to actually participate in creating the future. And that's really what leadership is all about. That's what vision is all about, instead of just reacting to change. Um, so you need to develop a vision for your business. That is a critical aspect of your task as a leader. Michael, can you think of a time when your vision for either this business or one of the previous businesses that you've been involved with really helped you navigate through a, a changing technology or emerging markets or some of the things that the future brings into the present real fast? Yeah, I think one of the things that I saw early on, this was back in 2008, was the potential of social media to upend everything related to marketing. And so I was an early adopter. You know, I started blogging. I got on Twitter. I got on uh, Facebook a little bit later. Uh, I remember the first time I heard about Twitter, I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard of. And then my friend said, well, give it 30 days to try it. I wrote my family into it. We started experimenting with it. I saw the potential of it. I saw the potential to have a megaphone directly to the people that I wanted to reach. And social media has changed everything with regard to marketing. Conventional marketing has never been the same. And so I think it was because of that that it, it helped my company at the time, Thomas Nelson, to uh, succeed in a market where traditional marketing was not working as well as it used to be. Even in our own company, Megan, I think that we collectively had the vision that live events were going to be part of our future. We were very much operating in the digital space. We were doing digital courses and all that. We said, you know, there's something missing. People want to connect personally. And so we began to articulate a vision for people getting together at live events and begin to experience sort of that one-on-one -on -one connection that you have at a live event. Mm -hmm. And that's made a huge difference in our business. Live events are one of the main pillars of our business today. Well, and I think that was a way that we kind of saw a threat to our business, you know, that there was sort of a saturation in the digital course space. You know, it was at the beginning, you know, that was something that was very successful for us. There were not a lot of players in that space. And over time, because the barrier of entry is really low, there were more and more competitors. And we also felt like we wanted a different kind of transformation, you know, as our ultimate transformation for our customers and clients. And so that was kind of an opportunity and a threat that we were looking at and moving into more of a live format, um, as well as some other things helped us, you know, that vision helped us to navigate around those things and really create an opportunity when it could have just been a threat. This is where I love Alan Kay's quote, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Mm. So you can either can be passive or you can be active. And the way to take initiative, the way to be deliberate about the future is first to begin to envision something different than what is. We've just come through our annual gathering of all the team members in which you both shared our vision for this company for 2020 with the team who's now going to be charged with executing that vision. 
And uh, it's interesting to me, it's not the same as the vision we had for 2019. It changed in some ways. It did. And part of what I cover in the book is, you know, what's the time horizon for a vision? And some people think it needs to be 10 years. Some people think it needs to be 20 years. We advocate, I advocate in the book, The Vision Driven Leader, that it needs to be about a three-year time horizon. Uh, it's going to be different based on your industry, but for most businesses that we work with, and we coach hundreds of business owners, three years is about the right time horizon because beyond that, things become very foggy. You know, technology is changing so fast, society is changing so quickly that it's hard to have clarity beyond about three years. But the the three-year vision doesn't change that much. We fine-tune it every year. But how we implement that, because it's got to manifest itself, that three-year vision, into a set of goals for this year, that's going to be different from year to year. So strategic benefit number one of a clear vision, it prepares you to meet the future. Strategic benefit number two, vision helps you identify the right opportunities. This is a big one because in business, there are always opportunities that come. In fact, the more successful you become, the more ability you have to take on new projects, to pursue new things. People are coming to you with new opportunities all the time. And if you're not careful, you'll get unfocused very quickly and kind of diffuse your leverage and your resources in a way that gets you off track. And your vision has the ability to, to keep you on track, to act as a filter, to constantly be a reference point that you're comparing the opportunities that are in front of you against and say, is this in alignment with our vision? Is it uh, something that warrants an adjustment of our vision because it really does feel like something we want to incorporate into the vision? Or is it a distraction? And that process of comparison and analysis is what helps you to focus and ultimately to achieve the vision that you want to. Let me give you an example of how vision helps you identify the right opportunities. And this is another case study that comes from the book. But in 1982, three former Texas Instrument executives saw an opening. Now, personal computers were just getting going and they jumped in. Texas Instruments, they were famous for doing calculators. I don't know if you remember these, okay. but like this was like a vast improvement over the slide rule, which was sort of the precursor to these really fancy calculators. But these guys left TI to start a new company, Compaq Computer Corporation. And in five months, they shipped their first units, which was pretty quick. I was an early adopter, one of many, but Compaq broke the record for the first year sales of any company up until that point. They did $111 million in their first year. It became the fastest to hit $1 billion. Now, by the mid-90s, they owned the business PC market. If you were in business and you were serious, you had a compact computer. Clear vision means you can easily identify a great opportunity. They certainly had that. But again, like the previous story, there's more to it. Success brings its own problems and the vision can begin to slip. You got to keep updating it as we were talking about and why your question was legitimate, Larry, just a moment ago. But when home computing began to emerge, compact totally missed the boat. They doubled down on business computing. In fact, they acquired Digital Equipment Corporation in 1998 for $9.6 billion. Meanwhile, Apple, Dell, and Gateway ran away with the home market. Three years later, Dell passed Compaq as the industry leader in PC sales. Compaq pivoted too late. They were later acquired by Hewlett Packard in um, 2002. And lack of vision for them meant that they were likely to jump 
on the wrong opportunities. If you have vision and you keep it current, you can pivot when you need to pivot. They missed that. They didn't pivot when they needed to pivot. That's right, because they obviously were not measuring against their vision. You know, they got kind of behind on that. They were really trying to align the present with the past instead of the present with the future. Well, it's almost like, you know, a carrot with a donkey. You've got to keep the vision constantly out in front of you because once you achieve that vision, and I think we we got this from our annual team meeting yesterday, Mm -hmm. we saw that the vision we had three years ago, not only did we achieve it, but we exceeded it. But if we didn't keep pushing the carrot forward, and creating new vision, we would stagnate and we wouldn't have a filter for evaluating the right opportunities and we'd likely end up in the wrong opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's the point we're trying to make you here. You kind of end up in a place of preservation as being your goal, which is really yes. just trying to control the downward slide instead of innovation being your goal. Well, Megan, as chief operating officer for the company, you make a lot of the decisions about which opportunities pursue mm-hmm. and which ones not to. Can you think of a time where referring to or using our company vision helps you say yes or no to an important opportunity? Yeah, I think in the last year, one of the things that we have decided to pursue is corporate training. You know, that's not something that we have done in the past, that we have primarily served a consumer market, you know, and uh, directly working with business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders. But what we realized is that we could take much of the same material that we have and apply it to a larger context, larger organizational context, and have an exponential impact on the leaders and contributors in those organizations. And And while that wasn't a part of our original vision, it's something that's very much an extension of our original vision. And as we talked about it, as an executive team, felt like it was really in alignment with the future that we wanted to create, even though it was an expansion of that. So we wrote that into our vision script this year, and that's now part of who we are becoming is a premier corporate training company that allows us to take our methodologies into corporations to help them win at work and succeed at life. And by the way, again, I want to remind everybody about the free resource. And it's just that I believe in this resource and it's free and you need to avail yourself of it. It's called Three Strategic Pitfalls to Avoid in 2020, designed to help you avoid major mistakes like the ones that we're talking about today. You don't want to be Kodak. You don't want to be compact. You want to survive and thrive as we move through this year. So you can download this for free at leadto.win slash pitfalls. Hey, everybody. Mike Boyer here with a shout out to one of our listeners, Michelle JSL, who left this review of the podcast on iTunes. She wrote, I especially appreciate the recent episodes with Megan Hyatt Miller discussing issues that working women face both at work and at home. Thank you for including real life examples, practical solutions and principles to consider when evaluating my wins, both professionally and personally. You're welcome, Michelle. That's all part of the double win. We want you all to win at work and succeeded life. And thanks to all of you who've rated and reviewed the podcast. If you haven't done that yet, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that within your podcast app. If you need help with that, just check the link at leadto.win. We love to read your comments. And now, back to the show. So strategic benefit number two of having a clear vision is that it helps you identify the right opportunities Strategic benefit three, vision sharpens your execution. 
The thing about execution, and oftentimes we think about execution and we get all excited about strategies for execution and efficiency and all these kind of things, but we forget this, that execution is dependent on alignment. You know, you can't execute unless you're aligned and you as a team, and you can't be aligned as a team unless you're aligned around a vision that you all hold in common. And so when those things are not kind of in that proper order and you get focused um, on kind of the caboose of the whole train, you know, the execution, uh, you're not going to really have the engine that's going to drive that forward. And that's what vision is. It's like an engine for your business. You can have a lot of execution in a company actually without vision or alignment. Mm -hmm. And what it shows up as is sideways energy. Yeah. Everybody's working hard, going nowhere. Everybody's spinning their wheels. A lot's getting done, but it's not directed energy. It's not directed execution. That only comes with alignment. And alignment only comes with vision. And so many organizations I've been in and so many organizations I read about, they're trying to get alignment. They're trying to forge it in some way. But without a vision, it's an empty exercise. There's nothing to align around other than maybe some short-term goals or something like that. And you know, surely that can work. But again, your likelihood of ending up at the wrong destination are pretty high unless you've got a vision that provides the track to run on. You want to have purposeful execution that's all leading towards something, building towards something. It's like, as you know, Megan, we're in the middle of a renovation at our home right now. But if there wasn't a blueprint, if there wasn't a vision of what this looks like when it's done, then I could have contractors showing up, subcontractors showing up, everybody doing a lot of work. And it's a mess because it's not going anywhere. And we could all be surprised, probably aghast, at what they're building in the end without that blueprint. That's what we're constantly testing everything against. That's what keeps these different sub-teams of subcontractors in alignment. It reminds me of that crazy Winchester mystery house, you know? Um, You remember this? I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. But it's this crazy house built by this kind of crazy woman who just kept adding on. And there are all these rooms and doors that go nowhere and it dead ends. And it's just all these things tacked on. And I mean, she was really productive. She was really, very, very productive. really productive. And that happens in our businesses. You know, we're so focused on productivity and efficiency and getting more done, but we really don't have any idea of what we're trying to accomplish or more importantly, why we're trying to accomplish it. And therefore, it's just a hot mess. In fact, you can get to the wrong destination faster That's by right. doing this. Teams really want a visionary leader. They do. Research has borne that out. When asked, what do you look for and admire in a leader, researchers found this. The number one answer was honesty, which is good to know. But the number two answer at 72% was they wanted a leader who is forward looking. Mm -hmm. And when it came to senior leaders, what do you want in a senior leader? That number was 82% want a visionary or forward looking leader. People don't want to waste their effort. They don't. And just to return to the book for a minute, another example, I quote, thinking about the moon landing, according to one report, there was a strong connection at NASA between a NASA employee's day-to-day role and their ultimate goal of putting a man on the moon. One custodian said, quote, I'm not mopping floors. I'm putting a man on the moon. That's cool. End quote. Well, Larry, back to what you said, you know, people want a forward looking leader. I suspect that's for two reasons. You know, at least I I see this in our own company. I think one, because it makes people feel secure. You know, as an employee, you want to know that your company is not Kodak or Compact, where you're going to be stuck in the past and kind of miss the boat. You want to know that you have a future because that's what you're dependent on. 
Well, this happened to me yesterday in our annual team meeting. At the end of the day, and I told you guys, yeah, I told you about it and the executive team about this later, but one of our sort of entry-level employees, somebody who has never spoken to me, came up to me at the end of the day and said to me, thank you so much. This whole vision, mission, ideology thing meant the world to me because it's got me re-energized, excited, and again, I have clarity about where we're going. Right. I think the other thing is, and that's a good example, is that your team is looking to you for meaning in their day-to-day activities. They're looking for purpose in their work. That's something that is critically important for retention and satisfaction in our teams. And when you provide vision, you're meeting that need. So it's really like security and meaning. I'm two very basic human needs that are being met through vision. Well, it's almost like that that old story. We've all heard it before, but somebody's laying brick in Europe and it's up to the leader to say, you're not just laying brick. You're not just building a wall. We're building a cathedral here, you know, and to keep that vision, it's that vision that gives meaning to those mundane tasks that otherwise would just be meaningless. So vision prepares you to meet the future Vision helps you identify the right opportunities, and vision sharpens your execution. Let's talk about strategic benefit number four. Vision keeps you from quitting too soon. Well, if you've been a leader for any length of time, you've probably been tempted to quit. (laughs) As it turns out, accomplishing something big is really hard. It is. And you're going to face setbacks. You're going to face disappointments. Things aren't going to work. And you have to choose how you're going to interpret that. You know, there will be a moment of truth where you have to decide if you're going to continue or if you're going to, you know, throw in the towel. And vision helps to keep you focused on the future that you can't see, you know, kind of like what's not here yet, you know, and keeps you going when you want to quit because there's a bigger picture. Right. Here's another story from the book. I love this one because this is uh, kind of a uh, warning for all of us about quitting too soon. So SwiftKey was founded by three friends in 2008. They had a simple vision, find a better way of typing on a smartphone. And this is an application that I've used for a while and absolutely love. Apple's built this in now to the operating system. But their predictive keyboard was a breakthrough. But like most things, it took time. Microsoft ended up buying SwiftKey for $250 million in 2016. So the vision of these three founders paid off, mostly. But like the other stories I told, there's another side. (laughs) When they sold it to Microsoft, just two of the three partners remained and were able to capitalize on that sale. Two of them had kept the big picture in view. They stuck it out through the lean times. Meanwhile, in what he now calls the biggest mistake he ever made, The third partner left the company after just two months. According to the reports, he, quote, grew tired of the long hours and the work that was required. So instead of 83 million and change, he earned just enough to buy a bicycle. That's what he sold his stock to for the other two partners. That's painful. Yeah, painful. Well, again, as we mentioned, we just talked about our vision for the next year here at Michael Hyatt and Company. Does that vision inspire you guys? You oh my gosh, it. yes. Absolutely. I get fired up. In fact, I was tasked yesterday with actually reading through our vision script, and that's what we call it, not a vision statement, which sometimes people think of as a short, pithy, clever, almost slogan. 
I don't think that's really possible. And I think that's why a lot of leaders don't create a vision is because they don't think they're that clever and they can't distill it down to one sentence. So we believe in a vision script. It's several pages. But I was given the task of reading that to the team. And I did. But it became real to me because we write this in the present tense. And the first step towards making anything real is to begin to envision it and then to begin to speak it. And the more you do that, the more real it begins to feel and the more you begin to move toward it. So yeah, I got really excited about it. You also did a great job of, I think, reading it with passion. So as a leader, if you're thinking about uh, how you want to present this to your team, when you finally get to that point, you want to read it with enthusiasm, with passion, almost like a dramatic reading yes. or a performance because people are not going to remember the details, honestly. I That's mean, they're, right. they're just not. It's really on the executive team to remember the details and constantly be measuring opportunities against it. What your team will remember is the passion that they felt from you and the excitement that they feel about their own future in the context of that vision, um, even though they won't remember the details. And so that's the most important thing to do in that moment. Well, think back. Another great moment in visiondom is when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech, probably the greatest vision casting uh, speech of all time. Mm -hmm. And uh, amazingly, most of that was impromptu. Yeah, he was Not written out. You know, he was given that off the cuff. But he painted this vivid vision of reality, and he said it with passion. I'm, I'm kind of starting to choke up just thinking about it right now. But whenever I watch that on YouTube or whatever, I immediately it's choke up. It's arresting. And I don't remember the details. I couldn't quote the details of it now. But I know that the emotion of that, the enthusiasm, his passion for it, that's what was arresting. Mm -hmm. That's what got my attention. And that's what made me commit personally to a different reality in terms of civil rights and you know the, the future of diversity in our country. Well, I think a lot of us have heard vision speeches in a variety of contexts. And some of them have... A lot of passion, but it just seems to be kind of too amped up to be believable. Like kind of ginned up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where, as a leader, you got to do a gut check. This cannot be manufactured. Mm -mm. It can't be for the sake of manipulating people. It's got to be genuine buy-in on your part first. And like somebody told me one time, they said, you know, if your heart believes it, let your face show it. You know, it's got to be communicated through your physicality. There's no other way to show up in the world through the tone of your voice and everything else. But again, not manufactured, but it begins with legitimate buy-in. And if this vision doesn't get you excited, get the heck back to the drawing board. If you're not excited about the vision, you don't have the right vision yet. Well, if, as the CEO, if you're not excited about the vision, nobody's going to be right. excited about the vision. I mean, that that is an inside job and you have to deal with that first because you cannot align people around something that you are not passionate about. That's right. I just want to let everybody know who's now wondering, how do I get that vision? We are going to talk about that next week in the steps to creating a clear vision. So that will be next week's podcast. So today we've learned that every leader can secure a better future through four strategic benefits of having a clear vision. Vision prepares you to meet the future. Vision helps you identify the right opportunities Vision sharpens your execution, and vision keeps you from quitting too soon. Final thoughts today? Well, if this is not something you've prioritized as a leader, maybe you don't have a vision or it's outdated or it's you feel like it's just insufficient, 
I can't say strongly enough how transformational this will be in your organization to spend the time to do this. Um, And don't worry, we're going to tell you all about how to do that next week. So make sure to listen to that episode. Um, But this is worth your time. There's so much at stake, not to mention the future itself. Totally. This is not optional. It's essential. There's nothing more foundational than vision. And it's up to you to provide that vision. And I don't care if you're the CEO or you're trying to lead from mid-level in the organization. You can have a vision. I've been in organizations where I wasn't the top dog. I wasn't the CEO. But even within the realm where I had control, whether it was my department or my division or whatever, I took it upon myself to create the vision because I knew it was essential if we we're going to create a future together, get aligned around it, and going to drive execution. So vision is essential. Well, I'll affirm that having heard our company vision just yesterday, it really does inspire and direct the team in their work. So thank you for sharing this. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Megan. And thanks to each of you for joining us today. We'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win. Nick, I'm going to tell you this because I love you. Your fly is down, my fan. If I if I ever have that happen, or if I have spinach in my teeth, I am counting on you. You owe one. Yeah, you owe me one. Still rolling. Yes. Okay. You even got the fly story on there. I do. We can put it in the assets. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Focus Leader One Day Intensive. Focus your achievement with clear goals and smarter productivity. Find out more at lead2.win slash focused leader.